0: Psalms, chapter 24. right, beginning at verse 1. The earth is the Lord's, and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. For he hath founded it upon the seas, and established it upon the floods. Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord, or who shall stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully. message tonight, who will dwelling, or dwelling with, with God? Dwelling with God, let's talk to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the opportunity and privilege of ours to be gathered here tonight. Thank you, Father, for your love and your mercies, and thank you for the privilege we have to look in your word. I pray that you speak to our hearts, encourage us, and challenge us in our walk with you. May you be glorified, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Who is it that dwells with the Lord or can? You know, Job asked the question, uh, uh, how can, how can, um, yeah, I, I know, I'm having a brain freeze here. Um. No, well, that's an, that's an Amos. Job says something about unclean dwell, dwell with clean. I forget how it goes, so you have to take my word for it. But anyway, somewhere in Job it says something like that. But anyway, <laughs> dwelling with the Lord, how can an unclean man dwell with God? Well, we know that, you know, as we read through the Bible, there were those who, had that close fellowship or abided with the Lord, as we would say. Moses spoke with the Lord as a man speaks to his friend face to face. Uh, Of course, the the disciples walked with the Lord Jesus. Daniel was called beloved of of God three times. Enoch, the Bible says, walked with God and was not, for God took him. So these all had something in common. That was fellowship with the Lord. But if we're going to have a fellowship with God, there's a couple of things that we need to understand. First of all, we need to acknowledge His sovereignty. You notice here in verse one, it says, "The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and them that are they that dwell uh, therein." We must acknowledge that the earth is the Lord's. Acknowledge His sovereignty. God is sovereign over all of His creation, you know, over all mankind, uh, not just Israel, of course, this is written, uh, a psalm of David, not just Israel, although Israel thought they were the, they were better than everyone else, they were prejudiced, um, very prejudiced, remember when, when Jesus said uh, <clears throat> that Elijah wasn't sent to any widow except the widow at Sarepta, and they got furious. Then he, and they went on to say there was no leper healed but Naaman, the Syrian. That only made him angrier. And yet, and, and then when Paul said in, in, in Acts chapter 22, you remember he was giving his testimony before the, 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 uh, the Jews there at the temple when he was arrested, and they gave him word until he said what? God sent him far unto the Gentiles. And then they said, away with this man. He's not fit to live. But we know from the, from the Bible that God makes no distinction amongst men, whether it's class, race, or whatever it might be. Uh, he, you know, he, is, he is the creator. Uh, he is sovereign over all. Of the earth. And over all mankind. Colossians 3.11 says. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew. Circumcision nor uncircumcision. Barbarian. Scythian. Bond nor free. But Christ is all. And in all. And verse 25 of Colossians 3. It says. But he that doeth wrong shall receive for the wrong which he hath done. And there is no respect of persons. God doesn't. God doesn't respect anyone above another. So. You know, if we're going to dwell with the Lord, we must acknowledge his sovereignty uh, over all of mankind. There's neither Jew nor Gentile. He doesn't acknowledge you know, race. There's no distinction with him. Uh, and, and, and furthermore, he created it or he founded it. In verse 2 it says, For he hath founded it upon the seas and established it upon the floods. It is his by act of creation. He, The word founded and the word established here are very similar words. They're different words, but they're very similar. Uh, you could use the word founded. I looked it up. Strong's, and one of the definitions was established, though it is a different word. Uh, it, it has the idea of appointed. Uh, established is fixed uh, or prepared. And the idea here is he, he, he founded it or he, he made it ready to be inhabited. For example, in, in Isaiah 45, in verse 18. Isaiah 45 and 18. Isaiah said this. Isaiah 45:18, For thus saith the Lord that created the heavens, God himself that formed the earth and made it, he hath established it. He created it not in vain, for he formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord and there is none, none else. So he, he established it, he created it, and he, made, he formed it to be inhabited. In other words, he made it ready for man to inhabit the earth. David understood this. If you look at First Chronicles chapter 29, David understood this. He understood that God made the world for man... And that he acknowledged God's sovereignty over all the earth, over over all his creation, including mankind. In First Chronicles 29, David is close to the end of his life. In verse 10 he says, Wherefore David blessed the Lord before all the congregation, and David said, Blessed be thou, Lord God of Israel, our Father, forever and ever. Thine, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty For all that is in the heaven and in the earth is thine. Thine is the kingdom, O Lord, and thou art exalted as head above all. Both riches and honor come of thee, and thou reignest over all. And in thine hand is power and might, and in thine hand it is to make great and to give strength unto all. So he acknowledged that God... uh, was great and he had the power and he made the heavens and the earth but god also had the power to make great and to give strength and to give wealth you know the context here is david's talking about the things that he prepared for the temple and he's saying that god gave these things to me it's not my hand it's god god has the power to make great you know it's foolish It is foolish to take what we have for granted as if I made it. That's what Nebuchadnezzar did. He took it all for granted. Is not this great Babylon that I have built by my own power? Of course, the day he said that, he was struck down. It's foolish to take all that for granted. Paul wrote to the, the Corinthians and says, What hast thou that thou hast not received? As I said the other, the other day, you know, D.L. Moody said, to, a man said to him he was a self-made man. and D.L. Moody said to him, Well, you just relieved God of an awful responsibility. No such thing as a self-made man. So we must acknowledge his sovereignty over all the earth and over us. And secondly, we must realize the way made into God's presence. Now, the word way here is important. The way made into God's presence. In verse 3, it says, Who shall ascend into the hill of the Lord, or who shall stand in his holy place? Who? You know, uh, again, can two walk together except they be agreed? You know, he describes... Who will stand in this holy place, he that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up a soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully. Now, if you're really to analyze those two that verse, verse 4, would any of us fit that qualification? There's not a just man on the earth that sinneth not. Bible says, which is true. So we have to realize the way made into God's presence. Go to Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9. <clears throat> Your proverb Proverbs says in two places, Proverbs 14, 12, and then sixteen twenty there is a way that seemeth right unto man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. So, so a lot of people think they have the right way figured out, but that way is the end, is, is death. Hebrews 9, verse 7 says, But in the second went the high priest alone every, once every year, with not without blood. This is talking about Israel, the Jewish uh, high priest. Not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the heirs of the people. The Holy Ghost, this signifying, that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest, while well, as the first tabernacle was yet standing, so he's talking about the tabernacle or the temple in the Old Testament. So the way into the holiest, he's talking there about heaven, I believe. He's referring to the, the holy holy place in heaven, way into the presence of God is not yet made known. We we'll drop down to verse eleven. But Christ, becoming high, being coming high priest of good things to come, by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and of calves, but by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place, having attained eternal redemption for us. we chapter 10, verse 19. Chapter 10, verse 19. Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest. So it's obvious here he's not talking about into the tabernacle that the Jewish had in the old and, or the temple that was still standing in Jerusalem. No, the holiest, he's referring to the The holy place in heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ himself entered into and put his blood on the altar. Uh, Having therefore brother boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus by a new and living way which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Uh, you know, John 14:6 says, Jesus said, I am the what? The way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. You know, God cannot be approached by sinners without a perfect sacrifice paying for their way. And that way is the Lord Jesus Christ. He's our perfect sacrifice. He's our perfect sacrifice. So there is a way into the presence of God, and that, is, of course, is through Christ, our Lord and our Savior. But if we, are, as God's children, are going to dwell in that holy place or walk and continue a fellowship with God, there's there's some things that need to be uh, exemplified in our lives. Verse 4 says, He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully. So... We must have hands that are clean of course this speaks of the outer man uh, 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 the, the physical you might say uh, in in Isaiah Isaiah chapter 1 Isaiah chapter 1 verse 15 through 20 Isaiah prophesied Israel, said, When you spread forth your hands, I will hide mine eyes from you. Yea, when you make many prayers, I will not hear. Your hands are full of blood. Wash you, make you clean. Put away the evil of your doings before my eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do well. Seek judgment. Relieve the oppressed. Judge the fatherless. Plead for the widow. Come now, and let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured with the sword, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken it. And then in chapter 3, verse 11, it says, Woe unto the wicked, it shall be ill with him, for the reward of his hands shall be given him. So we must have clean hands. You know, David was called a man after God's own heart. And David accomplished. God used David in a great mighty way. But there was something David was forbidden to do. What was it? He was forbidden to build the temple. You know why? 1st Chronicles 22. 1st Chronicles 22. 1st <clears throat> Chronicles 22 I'm sorry, Second, yeah, First Chronicles, I'm in Second Chronicles, that's why I don't look right. First Chronicles 22, verse 7. And David said to Solomon, My son, as for me, it was in my mind to build a house under the name of the Lord my God. But the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Thou hast shed blood abundantly, and hast made great wars. Thou shalt not build an house under my name because thou hast shed much blood upon the earth in my sight. Now David was a great warrior. But there, was, there were some things in David's life that caused bloodshed unnecessarily. His sin with Bathsheba. He killed, he murdered, he didn't kill, he murdered Uriah the Hittite or had him murdered. So his hands were stained, you know, sons of David. And then there was a civil war that followed. I believe all of that was kind of fruit of what? Of David's sin. So his hands were stained with blood. You know, again, David repented of that sin, but God said, because of this, I don't want you building it. Your son will build it. David prepared for it. He did everything he could to make ready for it. It was in his heart to do it. But his life was stained because of that sin with Bathsheba. James 4:8 says, "Draw nigh to God, and He will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye you sinners, and purify your hearts, ye you double-minded." You know, if we're gonna if we're gonna dwell with God, we have to have clean hands. You know, a lot of people are saying, "Well, it doesn't matter what the outer man's like as long as the inward man's right." That's a bunch of hogwash. We see from both the Old and New Testament that God wants us to have clean hands. Spurgeon said this in his commentary, and I quote, Outward practical wholeness is a very precious mark of grace. Uh, to wash in water with Pilate is nothing, but to wash in innocence is all important. It is to be feared that many professors have perverted the doctrine of justification by faith in such a way as to treat good works with contempt. If so, they will receive everlasting contempt at the last great day. It is vain to pray of inward experience unless a daily life is free from impurity, dishonesty, violence, and oppression. Those who draw near to God must have clean hands. What monarch would have servants with filthy hands to wait at his table? They who were ceremonially unclean could not enter into the Lord's house, which was made with hands, much less shall the morally defiled, be allowed to enjoy spiritual fellowship with a holy God. Unquote. And so, you know, we must have, we, God desires that we have hands that are clean. Hands that are clean. But secondly, He says, not only hands that are clean, but a heart that is pure. And if we're going to dwell with the Lord, we're going to have clean hands and a pure heart. Of course, that speaks of the inner, inward man. Uh, again, Psalm, or, or uh, James 4 8. Cleanse your hands, you sinner, purify your hearts. Be he double-minded. The two should go together. You know, if you have a pure heart, it's going to show itself on the outside. It's going to show itself on the outside. doesn't mean you always... Be, you know, David had a heart after God. Yet he fell into sin. But he didn't stay there. He didn't stay there. When he was confronted, he got right. He got right with the Lord. Uh, so, so God wants us to have a pure heart. And, in, you know, in Psalm 51, when David was confronted with his sin, he repented of his sin. In Psalm 51, in verse 17, he says this, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. That word uh, contrite, you know, notice it says, you know, it talks about a broken and a contrite. He uses the word broken twice. Uh, and and then contrite. The word contrite means to crumble, bruise, or beat to pieces, to break, crush, destroy, or humble. See, the emphasis God places on a will that is broken, a heart that sees sin as God sees it. And that's how David saw his sin. And so... You know, he God wants us to have a heart that's completely open to His will, no preconceived ideas. You know how it, you know how it is sometimes. You, you try to convince somebody or try to talk to somebody about like that, and they already have their mind made up. We we should we shouldn't come to God with our mind made up. We need to have an open heart. Now I'm not talking about an open heart that's so so liberal. You you don't think like the liberals. But we do need to have an open heart before the Lord. Uh, You know, Proverbs 6.18, a a heart that devises wicked imaginations is an abomination unto the Lord. Everyone in a proud heart is an abomination unto the Lord, Proverbs 16.5. Now, Proverbs 4.23 says, Keep thy heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. Now, Proverbs 4.4, Let thine heart retain my words. Keep my commandments and live. Oh, well, God wants us to guard our hearts with the Word of God. Psalm one nineteen eleven. Thy word have I hidden in mine heart that I might not sin against Thee. So we need to have a a pure heart, a pure heart, uh, not only clean hands but a pure heart. Spurgeon said this: and I "Quote, dirt in the heart throws dust in the eyes." Unquote. You got dirt in your heart, it's gonna cloud your vision. It'll blur your vision. It'll blur your understanding. You know, it's amazing. It's been amazing to me. You know, I don't know how long I've been missing. Twenty-something years, thirty, maybe thirty years. I can't remember. Time's going fast. But anyway, you know, of of the people that go away from the Lord and then the things they will do that I never would have thought. Why? Dirt in the heart. Dirt in the heart throws dust into your eyes. You've probably seen on these old television shows, you know, the, if they fight dirty, you know, and somebody gets knocked down to the ground, and while he's on the ground, he picks up a handful of sand. Throw it into his opponent's eyes. Why? So he can't see. You know, and he's, you know, that's what it does. Dirt in the heart will throw dirt dust in your eyes so we need to have a clean heart clean heart first peter five thirteen or 15 sanctify the lord god in your hearts be ready always to give an answer to every man the reason hope that lies within you with meekness and fear and if you want a pure heart you can't fill it up with Hollywood. you have to fill it with the word of god can't fill up with things of the world The mind feeds the heart. And then, and then, thirdly, he that hath clean hands and a pure heart, and then who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity. Uh, so we have to have a, hands that are clean, a heart that's pure, and heavenly desires. Not lifted up thy soul unto vanity. and The soul is the a, is a seat of the emotions, the affections. Uh, we have to be careful not to live or let our affections guide us or control us. Colossians 3, 1 through 3. If you then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. Set your affections on things above, not on things in the earth. For you're dead and your life is hid with Christ in God. So we're to set our affections on things above. Psalm 27, verse 4, this is David's desire. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Psalm 16, he said, I have set the Lord always before me. He is at my right hand. I shall not be moved. So we have to, we have to, Set our desires on things above, not on things of this old world. Set our affections uh, on things above. Uh, Spurgeon said this, and I quote, All men have their joys by which their souls are lifted up. The worldling lifts up his soul in carnal delights, which are mere empty vanities. But the saint loves more substantial things, like Jehoshaphat. He lifted up in the ways of the Lord. He who is content with the husk will be reckoned with the swine. If we suck our consolation from the breast of the world, we prove ourselves to be its home-born children. Does the world satisfy thee? Then thou hast thy reward and thy portion in this life. Make much of it, for thou shalt know no other joy." Unquote. Matthew 5.8 Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Psalm 19.14 Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. You know, we need to have a pure heart. A pure heart. You know, motives that are pure. A mind that's pure. Uh, seeking things that are pure. The wisdom that is from above, James 3, 17, is first pure. So, so we need to have heavenly desires. Heavenly desires. Uh, and then, fourthly, if we're going to dwell with the Lord, we have to have honorable lips. Verse 4 says, He that hath clean hands and a pure heart, who hath not lifted up his soul in the vanity, nor sworn deceitfully. Honorable Lips you know we need to have as God's children, our word our word should be should be uh um, a thing of honor um, you know. Spurgeon said, "The Christian man's word is his only, his his only oath. But that is as good as twenty oaths of other men." Unquote. You know, we are you know, you used to be you know, a handshake would 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 uh, um, you know seal any deal. Now you have to sign fifty papers, and that don't mean anything to most people. No, our word. Should be all we need. God hates false lips. Again, Proverbs sixteen seventeen, uh, lying lips. You know, one of the things uh, 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 a false witness that speaketh lies. God hates it. Proverbs twelve twenty two. A lot of verses of Proverbs about lying. Proverbs twelve twenty two. Lying lips are abomination to the Lord, but they that deal truly are his delight. Proverbs fifteen fourteen fifteen four. A wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness therein is a breach in the spirit. Uh, Psalm one hundred nineteen verse hundred and sixty three I hate and abhor lying, but thy law do I love. Uh, uh, Spurgeon said this that that uh False speaking will shut any man out of heaven, for a liar shall not enter into God's house, whatever may be his professions or doings. God will have nothing to do with liars except to cast them into the lake of fire. Every liar is a child of the devil and will be sent home to his father. We go to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians 4. You know, we should we we should speak the truth, but we ought not to use corrupt communication. Corrupt communication. Ephesians four twenty nine. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. I was visiting an old friend yesterday, in. Um, in a nursing home. I you know Bill Winstead. Anyway, he was saying, he says it's, it's unbelievable the way people curse nowadays. Well, he don't take it. He just tells them. You know, cursing, uh, no, the Bible says, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth but that which is good to the use of edifying that may minister grace unto the hearers. Of course, one of the Ten Commandments is, Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. You know, cursing minced oaths, all these things. Uh, We're to let our yea be yea and our nay, nay. We shouldn't have to add an oath to anything to make it yea or nay. You know, we just need to speak the truth. Uh, In. um, Ephesians 4 and, and verse uh, 15 but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things uh, Colossians chapter 4 verse 6 says let your speech be always grace seasoned with salt that you may know how you ought to answer every man so we're to use uh, uh, speech that is pleasing and honoring to the Lord honoring to the Lord so If you're going to dwell with the Lord in His holy place, if you're going to walk in fellowship with God, you have to acknowledge His sovereignty. Now, His way. Realize the way He made into His presence. And, of course, that is through the Lord Jesus Christ. And He desires that we have clean hands, a pure heart. You know, there are some people in the world that have an appearance of clean hands. The Pharisees had an appearance of clean hands. But yet Jesus told them they were whited sepulchres. They were just like whitewashed barns. Looked nice on the outside, full of termites within. Um you know, manure within. But uh, uh you know, it they can ha you can have an appearance of clean hands. But God wants us to have a pure heart. He wants to ha- have us uh, uh heavenly desires and honorable speech for honorable lips now, might God help us you know, Paul told wrote young Timothy 1 Timothy 4.12 he said be thou an example of the believer in word be an example might God help us to be an example of what it is to walk with the Lord and to dwell in his presence Let's pray, Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the time of your word tonight. Thank you for the encouragement and the, the, the uh, challenge we find therein. And uh, Father, to as we live in day by day in this uh, wicked and sinful world, I pray that you give us grace and strength to honor you with our lives and to make a difference wherever we may be in each of our personal worlds. Uh, help us to be a witness and testimony for you. I thank you again for your love for us and your, your grace that is sufficient.